Jeffrey Deckman shares how getting a little bit tribal with your business can help increase productivity substantially. Are you an entrepreneur who's looking for motivation, strategy, and tactical guidance on taking your business to the next level? Do you like surrounding yourself with action takers who know what it takes to win? If so, you're in the right place. My name is Josh Thomas, and I'm your host. Join me as I speak with some of the greatest business minds on the planet. Welcome to The Do Zone. If everything is under control, you are going too slow. Mario Andretti. DZ Tribe, Josh Thomas, glad to have you. Be sure to follow and subscribe on Apple or Spotify. Really appreciate that. This podcast is brought to you by Unbreakable Teams. We use a science-backed process to triple your company's productivity without additional costs so you can buy back your time. To learn more about how we can help you dominate the next 12 months, head over to unbreakableteams.com. Once again, that's unbreakableteams.com. Today's guest is Jeffrey Deckman. Jeffrey is a nationally recognized thought leader and award-winning author on the next evolution of leadership, conscious leadership. He has bootstrapped two multi-million dollar companies, several nonprofits, and multiple political organizations. Jeffrey, welcome to the Do Zone. Say what's up to the tribe and tell us something you believe is the key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of. Getting other people to help you get your stuff done. Yeah. All right. And and not just by farming it out and dropping it on your desk, but uh, doing a much better job of collaborating, communicating, facilitating, and uh, tapping into the collective genius and the collective energies of the team that's around you. I love it. So... How do we tap into that collective genius, Jeffrey? Well, it just so happens to be what I've spent the last 17 years of my life uh, figuring out. Uh, you know, I built a couple companies on my own, uh, started them with nothing, built them up to, you know, five and a half, six million dollar companies. The first one crashed in 1987. That hurt quite a bit. Uh, and the second one I sold a week before its 21st birthday. So uh, my passion is learning how to develop processes that increase my ability to uh, get the people around me to be engaged and excited about the work and intrinsically motivated to do to do good work. So, uh, you know, I recognized when I sold my last company in 2005, about two years later, I was invited to be a partner in a think tank. And that was about 2007 to 2009. And uh, what I did in there, there were four of us. My focus was I wanted to understand what new leadership mindsets, models, and methods had to be created to replace the, the leadership thinking of the previous century. Because it's clear command and control top-down wasn't working, but like, what is the new model? You just can't stop doing one thing without having a new model. So that's really what I've been doing is doing a deep dive and developing those models and uh, implementing them in my practice. So I, I make sure they work. And uh, now I do training programs. I do consulting. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching with executives to help them understand uh, the various new mindsets that uh, if they uh, activate and put it into place, uh, increase employee engagement, which increases production, which increases profits. And my stuff is not woo-woo. 
It's not about getting everybody just to sing Kumbaya. It really recognizes that business is really challenging. And uh, we have to build top flight organizations in order to succeed in, in the complexity of today's world. Yeah, and that presents quite a problem. Uh, and especially if you are a leader and let's let's call you an old dog and you're not quite ready for those new tricks, what are what are some of the challenges that current uh, people in leadership roles right now uh, really are facing that that they're having a hard time overcoming? Well, uh, tradition, you know, tradition and uh, the way that they were trained. You know, I'm 66, so I'm I'm an old dog, and I've had to go through this transition. <clears throat> Wasn't too crazy about it at first, and then when I realized how beneficial it would be to me, uh, I'm just lazy enough to adopt new new things that work. So you know, uh, everybody has been trained to follow the command and control, top down uh, leadership thinking. We've also been trained to view the organization as an org chart. Uh, as such, we see departments as silos. Uh, we see hierarchies, and uh, it can become a little bit power-based. The reality of it is, uh, is that, and this is the good news, the new models are so much more intuitive than the uh, org chart is. Uh, there were some uh, consultants from McKinsey that wrote a book called Mobilizing Minds. And in it, they said 67% of the work done in an organization is done outside of the org chart in informal networks. Hmm. And I looked at that and I said, you know what? I want to understand what's going on in those networks because clearly there's something happening behind the org chart. And these people aren't doing that uh, just to be rule breakers or uh, to be troublemakers. They're doing it in order to be more productive than what the org chart and the bureaucracy allows them to do. So, so, so what you're really saying is the the structure that we have created in order to be more efficient and more productive is actually inhibiting that efficiency and that productivity in some way because it's absolutely. too rigid. It's too rigid and it's unnatural. And, uh, you know, you don't have to believe me. If you uh, take a look at Gallup's employee engagement studies, they do one every year. They've been doing it for years. And consistently, employee engagement is at about 30, 33%. That means about 70% of the people aren't engaged. Imagine a baseball manager who could only get three of his players out on the field. He wouldn't have his job for very long. But... We've had this level of performance so long, we've accepted it. In fact, if somebody gets up to 40 or even 50% employee engagement, they're considered heroes. And then when they survey the workforce, the workforce, 70% of the workforce wants to be engaged. So 70% aren't, 70% want to be. So, and management, 100% management wants them to be. So what's the problem? And that was what I delved into in, in, in my research. And what I realized is it's not a people problem, it's a model problem. And the model is the org chart because the org chart is basically an assembly line mechanized representation of how organizations work. Nothing could be further from the truth. The most powerful and most effective design for human collaboration ever created is the tribe. Mm. In fact, tribes are everywhere. Psychologists have, have determined that you can bring 10 people together 
who've never met one another, put a common objective in front of them. And within seven minutes, tribal dynamics start to kick in. Leaders start to move forward. Collaboration starts to occur. Because, you know, back uh, when when we were in, in caves, we needed to collaborate. And you didn't have the Department of the uh, Mammoth Hunting. <laughs> you didn't have the Department of the Fire, you know, the Fire Gathering. You had everybody right. working again. We need to survive. What do we do, right? You had so, to have a leader uh, take the leader role. You had to have somebody collaborate and follow the directions of the leader. That's a really... That's a really fascinating observation that you said there, Jeffrey. And you said it, I, I want to make sure that I capture this. The What was it? The, the most effective design for human collaboration is the tribe. Can you just say that one more time? Because it was really powerful. Yeah. The most effective design for human collaboration ever created is the tribe. Hmm. It's the tribe that got us from being the most vulnerable mammal uh in the uh, in the wilderness, to the one that dominates the world, for better or for worse, right now. And if you look, tribes are everywhere. They're in sports teams. They're within organizations. Organizations aren't departments. They're a tribe of tribes. So finance has a tribe. It's got a culture. It's got a language. It has it has a vibe to it. Construction has is, is is a tribe it has a culture it has a vibe to it and each of those tribes each of those cultures have tribal leaders that may or may not have a spot on the org chart mm. so what what with a mindset that we need to shift from is recognize that the and the org chart is a reflection of the industrial age which was unbelievably successful in its time but we are no longer in that age the we're post-industrial age now. We're in a technology, information, network age, whatever it is that you, you want to call it. And, and we're in a point in time in human history that literally they're going to be writing about a thousand years from now because there's only been several uh, key ages in human evolution. Uh, at first, we were no the nomadic age. Then uh, we became the uh, agricultural age, then the industrial age. And now we're in this technology age. So everything's shifting. And we have to go back to a more networked way of thinking and engaging one another, which a network is just another word for a tribe. And what what you're really saying is uh, we, as as human beings, yes, we like tribes, but we always we also feel like we like structure because structure creates comfort for us and it creates predictability. Uh, and uh, it was a, a during that industrial time, uh, there was a gentleman named Robert Owen who did not invent this phrase, but popularized it uh, where he said, uh, we need to work eight hours labor, eight hours recreation, eight hours rest, basically inventing the eight hour workday on a slogan, you know, dividing the day into thirds and saying you should work eight hours a day. Because they were working like 12 to 16 hours a day and like dying at their factory or whatever. And so he's like, no, nah, don't do that. Actually, you'll be more productive this way. And that was in the 1800s. But we have advanced so significantly as a society and with technology that even that thing that worked great at the time, as you mentioned, no longer really serves us in the same way. Uh, and so right. that's, I see a fascinating, like an interesting parallel there. I wonder if you have any comments on that specific topic about the eight hour workday. 
Yeah, well, uh, the eight hour workday has, uh, since the pandemic and everybody's working at home and the internet and everybody gets email and we have computers on our hips and in our pockets. So we have access to, every, you know, it's constant communication. So that eight hour day has kind of stretched. Uh, and, and it has changed drastically because it's not just eight hours of focus. Uh, depending on you know where you're working, you're taking a break in the middle of the day where you didn't before, but you're also answering emails at eight o'clock. So what we've got now is is we've got a hybrid environment. I don't I don't think we should get rid of the org chart completely. I think the org chart absolutely has its value. It identifies departments. It identifies who is responsible for decision making, and we need that structure and that form. But we we have to realize that that's not what the, what runs the organization. There are three forces behind the organization that power everything, tribal dynamics, knowledge networks, and culture. So as leaders, we want to work, we want to understand tribal dynamics. How are the people working together and how can I engage them as a leader that they see me as a valued trading, uh, trading person. Uh, and we also want to be able to, uh, in addition Oh, I just completely lost my thought on that. That's all right. Uh, I love while you're while you're recollecting that thought though, tribal dynamics, knowledge networks, and knowledge culture. Knowledge networks and culture. So I spent 20 years designing computer networks. Uh, that was my last company. And I realized about seven years ago that the the four principles that you need to make one computer exponentially more powerful by plugging it into a network, those, those four network principles. If you apply those same principles to assembling a, a, a team, you will increase the level of performance by those in, uh, by individuals very similarly. So I don't look at, at teams as teams anymore. I design them as networks. So I look to make sure, you know, the, the four parts of a network that you need to make work are, that you need information processors, you need the right amount of computers, right? So in a, in a team, you need the right amount of people. Then you need the proper applications and software. Well, with teams, that's the proper training, education, and experience. Then you need really strong network connectivity because if the computers can't, commun can't communicate well with one another, the network becomes a not work. So in the, in the uh, human network, that communi those communication links are based on trust and how well people get along. So you want to look at relationships. And then the fourth part of it is bandwidth. Uh, I remember many years ago, uh, I had a company, we did a lot of CAD design. And anytime somebody would look to send a CAD through the network, it just, the bandwidth was too much and it just pushed everything up. Nobody could get anything done for 20 minutes, right? So if you don't have enough bandwidth, uh, the network gets choked out. Bandwidth in a people environment, in a, in a human network is, do they have the time? Do they have the, are they being resourced? Are they given the management support they need? Because, you know, the people that are working for you are probably putting in 45 to 50 hours a week now. You give them more stuff to do, uh, they don't have the bandwidth to do it. So you have to make considerations when you're designing your team. Do I have enough people? Are they trained properly? How are they get along? And do they have the time and the management support to get stuff done? And if you just plug those four things into your thinking, when you're looking to task a team to do anything, you will automatically move the needle in a positive direction. 
And we don't need to hit home runs all the time. Incrementalization is a really powerful force in this stuff. So if you just get in and you start seeing your organizations a little bit differently and, and connect a little bit more to the people, understand human capital makes financial capital. So financial capital is a lagging indicator of how well you're doing your human capital. So if you focus on that, as long as you know what you're doing for a living, you're going to make more money. Uh, and I, I, I love this analogy that you've made here about building a stronger uh, a machine, you know, a computer network and, and making these four analogies here. Information processors are people, the proper applications and software, that's training and SOPs. Strong network connectivity, that's trust and relationships. Bandwidth is time, resources, and management support. Yeah. Uh, it is a one-to-one -one comparison in that situation. And I, I can see if you apply all four of these things, you will almost immediately have a more productive team, for sure. You will. I, I and you know, the, the, the third part uh, was culture. Right. So you have uh, tribal dynamics, knowledge networks and culture. So when you when you start engaging your uh, your people in, as tribes and, and that means you value them, you respect them and you set yourself up as a valued trading partner that they want to they want to uh, deal with you. And then you go through the time to assemble teams in a way where you're designing them for success that automatically starts moving the needle on the culture makes it a healthier culture because you're showing them respect. They're going to give you respect back. You're being realistic with them. In order to design that network and to engage them, you have to be speaking with them and learning more about what's working for them, what isn't. They're at the same time learning what you need and why. And it starts breaking down this uh, unnecessary and unnatural and unhealthy barrier between the front office and the front line. We have to integrate. We can't be hierarchical structures to the degree that we have been. We have to become tribal networks that look to maximize the collective genius and energies of our organization in order to increase performance, production, and profits and resiliency. And companies have to go through this transition, especially in this period of time, I mean, the pandemic just hit everybody like a lightning bolt and everybody's going, oh my gosh, we have a huge learning curve. We know the old stuff isn't working, but A, we don't know what the new model is and B, we don't know how to get through that. So that that's the, the essence of all my work. You know, I, I wrote a book around the conscious leadership mindset. I have a... Uh, a pretty extensive series of training programs that I help people either with individual trainings to go through it. And I also have a certification program that helps people work their way through this transformation because it's tough. I mean, it took me 17 years to, to figure it out. And uh, now what I want to do is collapse that so that I can start showing people what this stuff is. And the good news is it's very intuitive. The more you see about this, the more you realize how much you actually knew about it because it's human dynamics, but it just has not been applied in a business environment. And, and that's the conversion that I do. I love it. You know, I, I, I love how you think. I love how you operate. Um, let's, uh, let's crack into that skull over there and do some do zone diagnostic. Are you ready? I am. All right. Awesome. Uh, first question here, just rapid fire. First thing that comes to mind, uh, Jeffrey, what's one thing you do that keeps you focused on your goals? I calm my mind. Nice. 
and and uh, and how do you get back on track when you lose that focus uh this may sound kind of corny but i've done a lot of consciousness work spiritual work energy work etc uh i when i get lost i'm lost in my head and what i do is i just take a breath and i I, i'll put my hand on my heart and just think about heart because Mm -hmm. the heart has uh 40,000 neurons in it and it is a thinking entity the heart is a thinking entity. Uh, heart math. And you told me you weren't woo-woo. <laughs> oh, that's not woo-woo. That's quantum physics, baby. I got you, man. <laughs> awesome. And uh, and who is your support group uh, and how do they keep you accountable? Uh, you know, I, I really don't have one. I'm a solo entrepreneur now. I think, if anything, maybe my wife and only because she's an inspiration to me. And if I ever grow up, I want to be just like her. So, <laughs> nice. so that's it. And I'm motivated to, to do well for my, my kids. You know, they're all up and older, but I want to leave them something other than memories when I go. So Awesome. I love it. And, and how do you approach a difficult project that you're not quite sure how to complete? Open. Uh, I, I ask a lot of, I ask a lot of questions. I invite questions and I listen. I, uh, I, I have a whole leadership process called the bigger no principles of conscious leadership and it's based upon the fact that i know what i know you know what you know and together we have a bigger no Mm -hmm. so it's all about trying to tap into that collective genius so i invite people into into the conversation and i'm willing to admit what i don't know and i'm happy to admit that because that tells you where you might be able to help me but humility and and being open i love that and uh, finally what's the number one pro tip that you would give to somebody looking to get more stuff done in less time engage those around you with authenticity integrity and respect Hmm. and watch what happens yeah you got it man awesome and so you you've referenced this i'm sorry go ahead we like to help people yes when somebody comes hey man I'm, i'm struggling with this especially if your boss Man, your boss shows up, uh, or even if it's somebody that works for you, they show up with that vulnerability. I really need some help. Unless you're a complete jerk, and if you are, you shouldn't be working there. You're <laughs> going to step in to help them. Then that helps the culture. You're activating the network. It all yeah. fits in. You might get one of those tribal leader spots. You never know, man. <laughs> I love we it. We all are. It's just whether or not we know it. We all are. That's great. And and so you've referenced this a few times with, uh, you've got a couple of books, you've got a, a, a training program. Uh, I know you've got something that's coming out really soon. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, what I've done is, you know, after all, all these years of researching and finding this stuff, and then I, I make it work in my organization uh, with my, with my uh, clients, otherwise I don't use it, you know, I prove it out. And my my commitment, my passion is to train the next generation of leaders on how to do this stuff a lot quicker than what it it took me. So I have individual training programs and I have two certification programs. One is eight weeks and one is 12 weeks where we really go into the different mindsets, models and methods that are needed to be able to uh, embrace this new way of leadership. And we get into everything from uh, the power of energy fields, the power of tribal dynamics, uh, the the power of consciousness and quantum physics and all these things that happen that we don't even realize that are happening, that you don't have to be a PhD to understand it. 
Uh, this is stuff that, you know, we can have a conversation, which is how the training goes. I give them live uh, and we can have a conversation. It, it gets pretty deep, but I can show I can show you how all these things work, things that you have access to that you didn't realize that you did. And then once you see them, you go, oh, that's right. I've I've seen this in other parts of my life. I didn't realize I could use it in leadership. So uh, they can you, go on my can website. you give me an example of that? Uh, yeah. So uh, energy fields. So all of us are uh, we're all made up of energy. OK, this is where we get into the quantum physics of stuff and epigenetics and all that kind of stuff. So we are made up of 50 trillion cells that all vibrate and they've all decided to come together to be heart cells, muscle cells, whatever. And we create this thing. And we as consciousness are in this body, right? And everything vibrates, everything vibrates. And heart math has determined that uh, our heart sends a frequency, an energy field out 10 feet from around us. So I've got my energy field at my frequency, which reflects my consciousness. If I'm really happy, it's a, it's a light energy field that you pick up. I can walk into a room and I can lift your spirits up because your my energy field is getting your energy field. I used to be an engineer, a cable television engineer, and I studied frequencies and frequencies affect frequencies. So uh, if you've ever been in a room and everybody's been uh, like getting along and then all of a sudden someone comes in and they're either really depressed like Eeyore or they're just angry and putting a buzzkill on things. You can feel that energy shifts in the room. And the reason that's happening is because their energy field came into yours and theirs dominated yours and pushed it down. You don't realize that. We just end up getting mad at them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, however, once you understand that uh, you get to determine your attitude, your attitude, another word for that is your mood, Another word for that is your level of consciousness. Good mood, joyful mood, high level of consciousness. Bad mood, angry mood, low level of consciousness. They have different frequencies and you can measure them. So what happens is as a leader, I'm coming in and I'm the dominant tuning fork. My energy is going to, to drive other energies. Every human is a transmitter and receiver of these energies. So it means we're all tuning forks. And it used to be, you know, Eeyore would come in or Frowny the Clowny would come in and I would drop down. I'd be mad at them. And I didn't realize uh, that I'm actually empowered to determine what frequency I'm going to I'm going to operate at. So instead of getting mad at them or feeling like a victim, I could just look and go, wow, I feel bad for them because they're uh, vibrating at a low level. They're not happy right now either. So I'm just going to step outside. I'm going to generate my own. Maybe I can help them, maybe not. But the most thing, the most important thing I'm going to do is I'm going to not let them pull me down to a place that's not good for me. Mm. You can take that in a microcosm and you can expand it outward and, it, and it's really effective. That's what really effective conscious leadership is about, is about establishing a level of self-awareness and consciousness that you hold in yourself, that other people can sense it. Mm. They don't naturally recognize but but we sense it and uh as we sense it we're drawn to it because mm -hmm. tribes survive by following competent stable nurturing leaders so it's in our tribal dna 
to follow someone who is uh, who we perceive to be operating at a higher level of consciousness. Now, you can get some some people that that do that and take it in a bad direction, which is, you know, very dangerous. Some of that stuff around Scientology and some of the cults and that's that stuff gone wrong. But you take those same principles and you get them in the right direction. They're incredibly powerful. Martin Luther King, Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, I, oh, I, I forget the gentleman that was in South America. Uh, or I'm sorry, South Africa. Africa. Mandela. All those all those guys held that level of consciousness. They're also humans, you know, they had their they had their mistakes. So this isn't about walking around in in robes and sandals and never making a mistake, right? Yeah. It's just about doing your best to do your best in a conscious way. Wow. And uh, you know, I, people follow you based on your level of consciousness, not because your power over them. That's amazing. And so and so who would be a good candidate to engage with uh, the training and the material that you have, who's this best for? Well, there's a couple of layers. You know, if you're a senior executive or a business owner and you really want to short uh, uh, shorten your learning curves to get like, what are the new methods that are de defining leadership in the 21st century? That. Also, if you're someone who uh, is just really interested in understanding how to be a highly influential person in your circle of influence, whether it's home, whether it's in, in your community, you know, you don't have to be a CEO for this stuff to work. Uh, and, and this stuff, the more you see it in business, the more you see its real value is in how you engage in life. So it's, it's kind of heady stuff. You have to be a kind of a leadership geek. It's got to be a passion for you. Uh, and if, if it's a passion for you, you will be amazed at what you will first learn about yourself. And as you learn more about yourself, you then learn about other people and you have more compassion and empathy with them. And then you learn how to connect better with them. And once you learn how to connect better with them, you can teach them the path you just went on. And, and as far as I'm concerned, that's the obligation we have as leaders is to create the next generation of leaders so that they can stand on our shoulders and do better work better. But and before they get to that point, we have to build, put the rungs in the ladder for them and reach down for them and help them to come up. Awesome. And, and where can somebody go to learn more about you and, and everything that you're offering? Website is jeffreydeckman.com. Email is Jeffrey, that's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, uh, Jeffrey at jeffreydeckman.com. Uh, you know, send me an email. I respond to them. I'm, uh, I'm a blocking and tackling guy, you know, I'm like everybody else. And uh, yeah, reach out to me. You can go on my website. I've got a ton of resources in there. I've got a, a YouTube video channel that you can go in. It has a lot of really interesting five, seven minute video clips that teach you everything about understanding the various aspects of your personality to how to, uh, how to, how to get on a fast track to self-respect in a way that's really healing. Uh, and there's a lot of, there's some mechanical stuff in there. And there's a lot of really thoughtful, conscious leadership stuff in there. And I've got blogs, I've got podcasts that I've been on and just dive in and 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 kick around and all of it's for free. But yeah. uh, you can find out if this stuff resonates with you, then you should take some of the training. It's really awesome. powerful. Love it. Jeffrey Deckman, thanks very much for being here and 
sharing some wisdom, uh, wisdom about how you uh, get stuff done. I really appreciate that uh, for you being on here. For those of you who are interested in engaging more with Jeffrey, you can go to jeffreydeckman.com. That's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-D-E-C-K-M-A-N, jeffreydeckman.com. Lots of great free training and information on there. Encourage you to go and consume as much of that as you can. Once again, if you want to keep hearing great content like this, be sure to follow and subscribe to the Do Zone podcast on Apple or Spotify. And remember, if you run a small business and you could use a significant boost in productivity this year, for less than it costs to take your team out to lunch, we got your back. Visit unbreakableteams.com to learn more. Until next time, remember, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with yours? Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify. Share this episode with a friend. Screenshot it and add it to your Instagram stories. Smoke signals, carrier pigeons, whatever works best for you. If you're looking to crush your goals this year and level up your team, we're here to help. To learn more about how our scientifically backed process can increase your company's productivity by up to 300%, head over to unbreakableteams.com. That's unbreakableteams.com.